0: Your son, he's gone. He was weak and foolish like his father. So I destroyed him.
1: I'm gonna tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Came
0: back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it.
1: Hello and welcome to the Weekend Foolish Movie Podcast, where we deep dive into the movies and shows and occasionally other media we have been watching. I am your host today, Job Ang, and with me is Mike Tang. Hello there. Yes. Oh, wait, wait. wrong, wrong uh, space franchise. Wrong. Oh, uh-huh. interesting. Wrong space. Uh, in franchise. this case, just, hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. <laughs> nice. Already off the rails. We're, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 today, not Star Wars. Um, Just kidding. The This is the latest installment in the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We like to break our pods into segments. The first section will be non-spoiler in nature. We'll just discuss, discuss our impressions, and then we'll talk full spoilers next time after. So, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. In summary, here's what the movie's about. Still, re- still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill must rally his team to defend the universe and protect one of their own. If the mission is not completely successful, it could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. So let's just uh, go into our non-spoiler thoughts. Mike, what are your impressions on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Yeah, overall, I would say I enjoyed it.
0: The first Guardians of the Galaxy movie was one of my favorite MCU films. Love the characters, the humor, the energy in that movie. The first movie is a top-tier MCU film for me. And just for context and to explain because everyone has different tastes and everyone would probably have a different list than me. So I just want to provide uh, where I'm coming from. Some of my other top tier MCU movies I would consider is uh, Endgame, Spider-Man no way home, Captain America, civil war and winter soldier, black Panther, Thor, Ragnarok. All right. That's top tier for me. I did not like the second movie. The second movie, on the other hand, is the opposite. Uh, For me, that was like a bottom tier MCU movie. And I know a lot of people love the second movie, and I don't want to take anything away from those of you who loved uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. 2. It just wasn't for me. I felt like it tried too hard to make us feel emotional about the characters in very overt and on-the-nose ways that kind of spelled things out for us. And so it, it didn't really work for me. Luckily, Volume 3 falls between the first two movies. Uh, it's funny, but not in the constant laugh-out-loud funny way that the first movie was. But it's also heartfelt in a way that felt more organic and especially earned uh, than the second movie was. I think it has a very interesting villain, a great performance by, and I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, uh, Chukwuri, uh Iwuji. Uh, he who plays a character named uh, the High Evolutionary. So really good, very interesting villain. And I can't wait to talk to you more about that, Job. But we also get a good look at the backstory of Rocket in this movie. And we actually get a very emotional payoff that, uh, you know, feels like the movie does the proper work to kind of set this up. And, uh, you know, kind of somewhat earns it, like I said. However, this movie is very much a standalone movie like a lot of the other phase four movies and shows. There isn't, there still isn't that MCU interconnectivity that was sorely missing that I felt from phase four. I mean, could there have been a crossover with the Eternals, maybe the Marvels, maybe even what if, right? there are other MCU phase four stuff that we could have connected to with this movie. Uh, And what about the multiverse? This is supposed to be the multiverse saga. And here we have another new entry that just doesn't seem concerned about that overarching theme. Uh, So, you know, overall it's a good movie. I would say I enjoyed it, uh, but I would not place it as a top tier Marvel movie. I place it, in probably mcu's mid-tier and you know this there's been like 38 39 movies and shows and so i I would say you know that's not bad you know at least it wasn't a bad movie um but you know it, it has been a long time since we've had a top tier mcu movie and that's why i keep talking about like the tiers and the rankings and stuff um you know like i mentioned my, my top tier, some of my top tier movies, uh, there are 12 MCU movies in my top tier and seven of them are from phase three. And I just can't help but remember how awesome MCU phase three was. Uh, just like every movie that came out was a hit and it was audiences loved it. Critics loved them. And I, I feel like minimum on Letterboxd, I would give those movies like a four to four and a half stars minimum. Right. It was pretty insane. They couldn't miss in phase three. And so it's just kind of disappointing getting to phase four. And we just kind of had some, you know, mediocre to bad movies. And uh and then we get to phase five, which started off with Ant Man, Quantumania, and then now Guardians of the Galaxy Fallen Three. And I think we're still just kind of waiting you know, we're kind of waiting for that top tier MCU movie to finally come out and like, you know, get us excited again. But, um, I think Albert, you know, Albert wasn't able to join us, you know, on the podcast today, but, uh, something he said in his letterbox review was like that, that, um, the MCU movies have now felt more of like an obligation, you know, it's no longer like an event movie. It's just like, you know, we're so deeply invested as fans in this franchise And so it's out of obligation that we go see these movies. Like, I, 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 you know, I, to be honest, this movie wasn't even on my radar. I just, Wednesday night, I just like, it just occurred to me, oh, tomorrow is when it comes out. Oh, shoot, we're, I get, I need to text my friends, you know, we got to talk about like, oh, Mm -hmm. we're going to, what time we're going to meet up and stuff. Like, I totally forgot that it was coming up. But if you contrast that with phase three movies, or even like Spider-Man No Way Home, there's like you're counting the days until the, these movies were coming out you know so i yeah. think i really think the mcu has lost this luster and unfortunately we're still cut i feel like i'm still waiting for that uh top tier mcu movie that's gonna make me excited again about marvel yeah. and and maybe it's gonna have to be something that actually ties somehow ties all this stuff together and so far we haven't had that yet Anyway, sorry, I've been talking for a while. What did you think, Oh, Job? That's
1: great, Mike. We love hearing you talk. This is why we listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, well said. You know, you you covered a lot of my general impressions of this film and the general landscape of the MCU. Um, generally, for the the movie itself, it's a fun time. I I actually think it's the, one of the most competently made MCU movies in a while. Uh, which I, it's become too much to ask for something to be competently and coherently made. It seems um, which I think it spells like, I I feel like also when we review MCU films, we're reviewing the greater story just as much as we are reviewing the movie itself. Uh, and that's what the MCU has invited right in uh, after all these years, more than a decade now of making these films and so you we have to evaluate an mcu film against the rest of the the saga and the the bigger story that it's setting up so as as a piece of the mcu it it very much is a mid movie uh it's it's just kind of not linking up to anything it's it is meaningful in that it it is like the third of a trilogy of based around this particular set of characters that we've come to know and love uh and so When you grade it on that, it's a pretty solid movie. You know, the action I found to be pretty well made and well animated and well choreographed. Um, Although in some parts of this film, it started to seem to lose focus or went a little too far uh, for my taste. I mentioned in our Instagram instant um, review that I actually was getting dizzy in some of these sequences. And I think they just went a little overboard on some of it. Um, but yeah, like it you mentioned that it's on the mid tier of your your m c u scale, and I feel like mid tier sadly is the high end of what to expect nowadays with these films like I was almost relieved <laughs> coming out of there going like that was actually a good well made movie, <laughs> and that just is sad, you know it is what it is. Albert said it correctly it's become an obligation and my story in coming to this film was the same thing i i was like oh tickets have been out for a while uh should i go and (laughs) we found like a 4 p.m screening you know like that happened to have a few extra seats because people are still working at 4 p.m i i i was done with work by then but you know um And, and, you know, the excitement that comes with MCU films, I feel like even like back in phase three and two, like most of the time you were getting a a big, a, a bit of a buzz around the film. And by this point, it's just not there. It feels like everyone's there as an obligation, uh, because we've all been watching this. Um, and. A buddy who I was watching it with, um, at the end, when the credits rolled, um, the, he like laughed out loud because like usually there's some clapping, some like reaction from the audience. There was nothing. There was nothing. No reaction at all. And um, I know we shouldn't be grading on audience reactions as well. Uh, I don't really generally like to do that. But again, the MCU has invited this. They have invited the eventization of these movies. They've invited the like get out there on opening night and have a great time like eat your popcorn and and like hoot and holler and have a blast with these films. And you'll also like get some progress towards the the, the wider story and the bigger bad that's in the background. but there's really not much of that there. So I I'm long-winded in my reaction too, but that's that's just kind of where we're at with this movie. So
0: yeah, you know as you were talking, I just couldn't help but think a year ago around this time, we got a huge blockbuster that was not MCU. That was not DCU. Uh, it wasn't a superhero movie at all. And mm-hmm. we didn't have an overly used uh, CGI experience. You know, it, it, it was just a lot of practical effects and just actors in jets and planes, you know, flying around Tom Cruise shirtless on the beach, you know, good old school, filmmaking and you know that movie really blew everyone away and i i think that was refreshing uh that all last year uh yeah marvel was kind of not really hitting you know it was kind of uh, having a lot of uh misses and misfires and then we had top gun maverick you know that i mean yes it is a sequel it is a hollywood blockbuster sequel uh, but you know this you know, it's a thirty-five, thirty-six-year-old like franchise. You can't even call it a franchise until now, right? Like, because it was just there's just one movie. So I think that was really cool um, that last year we got that and uh, Avatar as well, right? Avatar yeah. we one of, of the water. two highest-grossing movies. Sorry, the two highest-grossing movies of the year were not yeah. superhero movies. So that was that was really cool. Maybe maybe the time of the superhero movies is over. Yeah, like what Spielberg it's said, right? It's going. Yes. Like Spielberg, right? It's going going the way of the the cowboy. Uh, yeah, but we'll see. You know, James Gunn maintains that you know it's like the f- superhero fatigue isn't real. It's more fatigue with like just CGI nonsense
1: on screen. Like mm-hmm. you have to have good characters and a good story. Yeah, and and we'll we'll talk more about the characters uh, in this film. I I do believe he did a good job with that with the character development and and creating moments of character. Within the CGI spectacle as well. Um, but it is interesting. I I you mentioned Top Gun two. You mentioned Avatar uh two as well. I believe that's two. Yeah. That's right. It's the second one. Um, those those came as almost I, I feel like a a big reason why we enjoyed those is because of some of the novelty as well. Um marvel is what it is at this point and they haven't done much to break out of what an mcu film could be and i do feel like some of that is the novelty is not there and the way we're reacting to it is is because of that but we can keep talking about it uh for a while i feel like but uh shall we move into spoilers so we can expand this conversation yeah, let's go for it. All right, let's do it. Spoilers in three, two, one. No, no, you're still
0: holding on. Let go. All
1: right, let's talk uh, in spoilers about the three different acts, and we'll talk also about the mid-credits and the post-credits. So what I'll do is I'll read a bit of a summary on each act, and we'll we'll break that down, and then we'll kind of close up um, with the, a discussion about what the mid-credits and post-credits mean for the greater MCU. So in act one, Adam Warlock attacks the guardians at their headquarters in nowhere. And during this attack, Rocket is hurt and goes unconscious as uh, the, the gang tries to revive him. They find that he was built with a kill switch that Oz, or Corp, <laughs> not Oz <OzCorp>. that or- <laughs> Org- Orgo Corp installed in him. Orgo Corp. We find out is the company that conducted its experiments on Rocket and other animals um, that that they were working on. And turns out these experiments were run by a character known as the high evolutionary, who we mentioned earlier. And his whole goal is to create societies of new creatures. Uh, and it seems like his main target is animals who have like a higher human-like intelligence to replace Earth. So a lot happens here in Act One. What are some of our thoughts here?
0: Yeah. I kind of want to talk about, uh, Adam Warlock. Um, I think he was teased, uh, at the end of volume two, right. In the post post credit scene. And so, and you know, as a kid, I collected Marvel cards and Adam Warlock, I think was, was a really powerful cosmic character. So I was kind of excited that they were bringing this character to the big screen. I think overall it was pretty disappointed. And I, I was, it was very disappointing, I should say. Sorry. Uh, the character was kind of disappointing, very underdeveloped, very thin. We don't really know his motivations are, you know, it's kind of lame. You know, he just wants to sat, uh, satisfy the demands of his mother. And he's kind of stupid. You know, he's kind of a silly, stupid guy. You know, he, there were a few funny moments, you know, but overall I wish this character had more to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. i, I I'm getting a little bit ahead, but, you know, at the end, they do tease like he has a much bigger role later on. So, so we'll see, I guess. Uh, Hopefully he has more to do. I know this movie is the, you know, it's a send off movie for these guardians. So they, you know, not as much screen time was devoted to this character. So I'm hoping, you know, future movies or shows could do this character justice. Um, And I was a little confused because when he attacks Nowhere, it happened so quick, so maybe I didn't catch it, but I thought he was supposed to retrieve Rocket, so why did he mortally wound him? Maybe I didn't catch, like, in the heat of battle,
1: he accidentally, like, shot him with his beam or something. Like, I, Yeah, I think that's what was supposed to happen, is, like, he was supposed to capture him um, and take him back, but he just is so powerful. And I remember reading an interview with the actor, uh, Will Poulter, I believe is the right. actor. And I had no um, idea he was British. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uh, had mentioned that Adam Warlock's character is like very childlike in his mentality. And so I suppose when a child is playing with with something unnecessarily rough, you know, I, I I sometimes will will like lend one of my books to a nephew or something and he'll like rifled through the pages and almost ripped them and like, no, don't, don't do it that way. So in a way I, I could see how, why Adam Warlock would accidentally mortally wound the very creature he's supposed to retrieve. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we find that rocket is hurt and the, the, um, the group, the guardians try to, to, uh, revive him, which sends them on this whole chase to begin with. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. And, I just, I, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. want
0: to mention before we leave nowhere and, and yeah. you know, get on with the quest um, that I actually did appreciate that, you know, Volume 2, Endgame and the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special on Disney Plus, like those were necessary, right? You had to have yes. watched those things in order to understand and, and see where the Guardians are right now. And That's so right. I think there was a pretty good payoff for keeping up with the Marvel stuff. Especially the Disney Plus content, right? Like the Christmas special was very important. You have to have seen that to know that. Number one, that they nowhere is their home base, right? And that Mantis is actually Peter Quill's half sister. That was a huge revelation that was revealed in the Christmas special. And then there's even like a, the Kevin Bacon re- reference, right, in this movie uh, of what happened in the Christmas special. So that's right. Um, Good call. Yeah. 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 I, I I like the fact that that. OK, so uh, you, you rewarded the time that I spent, you know, <laughs> with, yeah. with the
1: shows. And I believe in the Christmas special, they referenced that Peter Quill was sad um, a lot over, you know, the loss of Gamora. And then that this weighs really heavily on him. Gamora, as, as we remember, uh, died in Endgame. It was Infinity, War. Infinity it was, uh, War. She died
0: in Infinity War and then she That's came right. back in Endgame.
1: Yeah, like one of her variants uh, comes back and just has no recollection of any of their relationship. And that that kind of like actually plays into the rest of this story and Peter Quill's character and why he does a lot of what he does. Um, but yes, they go after Rocket. Um, no, 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 no. They, they save Rocket, but then he has a kill switch uh, installed in him and they find out. Orgo Corp was the corporation that experimented and put them together. Um, while Rocket is unconscious, we actually have these flashback moments to where he sees the other animals who were experimented on some of his friends. We see Lila, Teef, Floor, um, and it turns out that the Hive Evolutionary was working on them. Um, what did you think of the uh, flashbacks? Um, I like them. I
0: think you feel a lot of sadness for these creatures who were mm-hmm. experimenting with, and they're all like mangled up. It's a little hard to look at sometimes because you feel sad. yeah. and I feel like the the rabbit got really got the end of the uh, short end of the stick because I feel like Rocket still looks like he's a raccoon, but the rabbit's just like so beat up and his
1: yeah. arms are like dangling. looks like a spider. yeah, it's it's kind of it a little sad. Yeah, this uh, but, this is not for the faint of heart. If it comes to animal cruelty, like it, they really leaned into into that aspect of the story.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know if this is okay for kids to watch. It's just horrifying, you know. Like uh, you could show like I guess Winter Soldier or something, you know. To I uh, like I show I show the action scenes to my kids, and they they really enjoy it. But like these mangled up animals, like oh my, I don't know. And there's something about the imagery of that is
1: just is crazy. Yeah, it it it's not actually very kid friendly, so um if you've if you haven't seen it yet and you've gotten to this point with us, uh this is our recommendation now like to use caution <laughs> when considering bringing your kids. Um and there are other actually very extremely violent
0: uh, moments later on that I think some people online were saying like, dude, that's like R-rated imagery. Yeah. True. Which well, I I I guess we'll talk a little bit more about later, but yes. uh yeah, like um it's like almost like Dark Knight, you know, Harvey Dent
1: two-face. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Oh yeah, I know you exactly know, I mean, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Um in Act 2, um we see that we we come a, kind of flash back to the present. The the variant of Gamora helps the Guardians infiltrate Orgo Corp. Um, we find out Gamora also is part of the ravagers now, which is, uh, Peter Quill's former, former gang. And, uh, they're able to retrieve rockets file, but discover that the code itself has been removed. And, um, basically one of the high Evolutionary's advisors <laughs> who uh, like, uh, took it, that guy was really funny looking. I, I couldn't get over that part. Um. And uh, they depart for Counter-Earth. And then upon arriving, the, the team um, encounters some of the residents of Counter-Earth. So Counter-Earth is an alternate Earth that the High Evolutionary has populated with, with these creatures that are animal-like, but also have human humanoid features. I felt really uncomfortable at this scene, in this whole sequence, by the way. Um, yeah, um yeah. I feel like this movie really has like a
0: like a David Cronenberg esque like uh, concept for the characters and also the production design. It's all like weird body horror uh biology mixing in with technology kind of thing. And uh yeah, it's it's a little unsettling. I agree yeah. with you.
1: Yeah. Um at least there weren't like evolved flies, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean,
0: some of the stuff, I, I feel like those animals like Teefs and Floor and L- Lila, they're, 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 they're pretty, they're pretty terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like Toy Story, you know, uh, Sid's, Sid's toys that he gets like. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I kind don't of
1: like that. Right. And so this whole, see um, in this act, uh, the team arrives and tracks down Theel, who is the high Evolutionary's uh, assistant, the, um, the, the guy who who's who looks Asian, um, I think, and yeah, he looks he looks Filipino. We don't yeah. want to assume anything, but yeah, we, just, you know, he's an alien, I guess, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, the the crew splits up. Drax and Mantis, um, are with Gamora and Rocket, uh, and Peter Quill. Oh, they they remain with Gamora and Rocket. Peter Quill, Groot and Nebula travel to the ship to try to like grab. The remaining code um and they they i think here they meet the high evolutionary and actually there were there were some funny moments in this um disney did release the clip before the movie but i i found it to be one of my favorite parts when they're trying to like get in the car and uh also peter quill drops the first f-bomb in the mcu as well but uh yeah this whole sequence was totally unnecessary in my opinion I I feel like it was a um like an ad lib and they left it in, but uh... yeah I mean it's I think it was like
0: oh people made like there are articles that made such a big deal about yeah the fact that oh the MCU drops its first f bomb i I'm like oh my gosh how are they going to use it is it going to be really funny it was not funny it was just like yeah. uh huh okay <laughs> um he, he's just uh, basically Peter Quill tells uh Nebula again the effing car yeah and I I think about x-men first class which is uh you know mm-hmm. when professor x and magneto are going around trying to recruit mutants this is in like the 1970s uh, 1960s and then and then they come to a bar and then you see logan you know hugh jackman sitting there smoking a cigar drinking yes. beer and then they they try to attempt to recruit him like they, they introduce themselves and he says go f yourself yes and then they just kind of look at each other and leave leave him alone <laughs> So they don't recruit him to the X-Men for another like 20 years. Based on that. So the, I think I think that scene yeah. in X-Men First Class was like the greatest use of the F-word. Like it was mm. so funny. I remember everyone died. Everyone was so shocked and surprised that Hugh Jackman was in the movie and then he just tells him to go F yourself and then that was it. That was it for his yeah.
1: appearance. So I think... Um... Dude, it, it made me think also, especially like the Guardians particularly make a big deal out of not saying the bad word that they're trying to say like we we see we hear this a lot throughout their movies where they're like right. a holes you know or like yeah. you know um they they use all these other alternate bad words so it's kind of this weird like maybe it's part of the character that peter quill's desperate enough to finally drop the actual word i don't know uh yeah but uh oh yeah, sorry
0: so- I-, I just want to talk about uh Thiel or teal, yeah. The uh, the character teal? that has the, the I guess the the kill switch plans or yep. whatever for Rocket. Yep. Uh, we were guessing that he's Filipino, and he is in fact Filipino. He's played by the actor Nico Santos. He was actually in Crazy Rich Asians, and I'm like, oh, that's who he was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh,
1: kind of cool, cool connection. Shout out, shout out to the Filipinos, my brothers. <laughs> um, so uh there's there's all this action in this act and then by act three um you know they encountered the high evolutionary and he by the way a very very screamy high high anxiety villain um i just was like dude stop yelling i don't understand what you're saying like throughout half the film uh this
0: guy he, though, he, he really dived into this role. Like oh yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah. He, he was like it was such a delicious performance from him. Um yes. and I think he was just having a blast. So I <laughs> kind of I kind of had a smile on my face whenever he appeared because he just looked insane.
1: He did look insane and and I it he really leaned into the uh like mad scientist aspect of his character. He is essentially a mad scientist who is right. conducting all these experiments right
0: and I, okay i want to i want to comment on that like i love the fact that the villain and the conflict in this story was not like some skybeam end of the universe kind of like conflict it was just they just were caught up in this because of rocket they were caught up in this web of uh you know mm-hmm. orgo Corp and and the high evolutionary, and then you kind of get pulled into this this uh, dark corner of the the galaxy.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And I like the fact that he was just experimenting and experimenting, and, and there's like uh, human rights, not human rights, but creature rights. You know, I yeah. guess you could say. Uh, and, and what he's doing is immoral, like how he's treating these living beings. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I kind of I appreciated it. I appreciated that it wasn't some galactic struggle it was just in this part of the galaxy that they're just trying to resolve this conflict
1: yeah and it's a he's actually a villain that feels really like insidious and evil you know like the motivations are so like tangible almost or right yeah because like
0: once they don't work out for him he's like discard them destroy them incinerate them you know or this counter earth what happens in counter earth right they just end up destroying the entire that's right He's like oh, it's not working out for us let's just kill them all and you know these are these are beings with families and with children and with like their own culture and you know he just obliterates everyone just because he's just like
1: no they didn't turn out how i wanted right yeah they they made a point of us seeing like the that there were families and kids and an established people group on counter earth um but he yeah like you mentioned he initiates the destruction of this counter earth because it didn't work out um we also learn here that um rocket was promised R- rocket and his friends were promised uh that they would be able to populate a new planet um but we find out that they're not and uh all right uh well question for you yeah why
0: did the movie explain why he, it was a counter-Earth? Like, why did he pick
1: Earth out of all places to kind of mimic? Not really. I, I suppose it's because since he's a human, he just uh, has his own planet to reference. Is he human? Is a high evolutionary human? Yeah,
0: I'm not sure. That was a little unclear on that also. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like human a, or humanoid.
1: Yeah. yeah, humanoid. I mean, most of the animals that he experiments on are earth animals, it seems, like rabbits right. and raccoons and yeah. a walrus. <laughs> yeah. Which uh,
0: what you know, we finally, you know, he uh Rocket has been called a lot of different things. That's like right. Thor Thor calls him a rabbit. That's right. And uh we we have confirmation now that he is indeed a raccoon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even though he kept saying, I'm not a wrecking, you know? Yeah.
0: Right. So, Hey, uh, that door is now closed. We,
1: <laughs> we now know. <laughs> yes. Confirmed. Confirmed. Um, yeah. So in all this action, i l- trying to keep track here in all this action, Quill and Groot are retrieving the code. Gamora rescues them on their ship. I'm trying to like, remember it correctly while Nebula, Mantis, and Drax um, try to... They they board the, the high evolutionary ship thinking Quill and Groot are still trapped there. Um, and um, so as Quill uh, attempts to, with the code now in hand, attempts to save Rocket's life, Rocket flatlines and actually has a near-death experience. And he goes to um, animal heaven, it seems, and uh, is meets with his friends, Lila, Tiefs, and Floor. By the way, we haven't really talked about his relationship with Lila very much or with even the rest of the friends. But it is a big part of his story, his backstory throughout this film. And um, we see that Lila in Animal Heaven tells Rocket that his time has not yet come to join them. Um, and so... He gets sent back and basically lives and comes back to life. Meanwhile, Nebula, Mantis, and Drax uh, meet a bunch of imprisoned humanoid children on the ship, which actually that's a whole nother thing is like, there's kids, there's like kid slaves basically involved in the high evolutionaries uh, plot. And so we find that he's, he's maybe has progressed even beyond just animals to like humanoids and you know, animals that, or creatures and aliens that have a higher quote-unquote intelligence already and experimenting on them. Um, any comment on all of this so far, or we can keep going. Um.
0: I, I guess I want to comment on just the action scenes. I yeah. think uh, James Gunn tried something different this time. He used a lot of wide-angle shots, mm. which I thought was pretty cool. I just wish the shots wouldn't cut so fast. Sometimes it's kind of yep. hard to register what's going on. There's too many images per second. I think this is where you said mentioned earlier that you were getting dizzy. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, really cool uh, cinematography, but yeah, man, like uh, slow down. You know, let us see what's co- what's happening. Yeah. I, I think you know you spent so much money and time constructing these shots, so let the audience like soak it in but you know that's that's just me some people might like that
1: yeah i i i, I agree with you I, and yes that's that's what i was referencing when i was getting dizzy it just felt like um they heightened the uh action a lot and i i believe it was on purpose it was to kind of create a sense of like oh my gosh like the ante is getting raised here but uh it didn't quite work for me and in, in that i couldn't really tell what was going on um but aside from that, we we basically are able to see that um, nowhere, Craglin and Cosmo, the uh, the dog, and Craglin, the former Ravager, they arrive from nowhere, or on nowhere. <laughs> nowhere is now a ship, apparently, and uh, they are able to come and rescue the group um, from the high evolutionary ship before exploding. Um. And uh, yes, Rocket is also able to discover all the other imprisoned animals who are being prepared for experimentation, including a a cage full of baby raccoons, which was really precious. Um, And he's able to rescue them and give them a life that perhaps uh, he never got to have. The guardians rescue all the animals and lead them aboard nowhere. Peter Quill nearly dies. Um, trying to jump from the ship, but Adam, who has kind of been nowhere uh, throughout this movie until now, um, went and saved him. After being saved by fruit.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a. It was kind of like a repeat, an echo, or a rhyme with a rhyme. the. <laughs> It's like poetry, it rhymes, yes, uh, all right, uh, but yeah, it you know it it kind of is an echo of guardians of the Galaxy One where Peter right. also floats into space and he gets frozen, uh, although this this time is a little bit more grotesque, right his, yeah face this is disgusting. Pops out. I'm like I, I I really thought he died, and yeah, I, I think d- it w- I thought so too, yeah, it would have been kind of compelling if if he died and gave his life, but mm-hmm. uh, but you know they got to make more movies with him. And I think Marvel is a little bit shy when it comes to killing off major, major, major
1: characters, unless it's like the finale, you know, right. Of everything, which, which this kind of was, I, I, I like to, jo- I was joking in my head, like, Oh, this is the part where we find out that Chris Pratt didn't renew his contract with Marvel, you know, or like, uh, <laughs> Oh, here's the part where, uh, Palm climbing teeth, um, I don't know if I pronounced her name right. Um Mantis. It's like, oh, okay. I guess their journey's ending here too. Um with all the goodbyes. Um in the aftermath when Quill is saved and they're all Oh, I, um, sorry, I should yeah. I should probably I should probably mention Um that
0: I thought that when the Orgo Core building ship took off and Counter Earth was destroyed. I thought that was that was the end. Like I thought that was the climactic end sequence, mm. and then there's this whole other sequence that you just described that happens on the higher evolutionary ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, at this point, I was like, dude, this movie's still going on. Like, <laughs> I kind of, fe- I kind of felt like they could have just cut out some things and kind of blended the two things together. Like, when you get to Counter Earth, you know, you get to his headquarters, it's the the ship. Like, maybe that's where you find out. Like, you find like. um, the, the children and all that stuff. So I, you know, even the children, the white-haired children, that was like, like another layer of of story that it kind of like um put into. You know, at that point there was already a lot going on, and I think it started to feel a little bit messy at that point. Like, yeah. uh, had they trimmed things down, I think that would have been a cool finale, and I would have been satisfied. But then you have this. You got well, we got to get all the animals out onto nowhere. You know, it was uh, it it felt a little bit unnecessary. Like I, I kind of liked where it was when they went to Counter Earth, and you know they were attacking uh the Orgo Orgo Core. I thought I thought that could have been it.
1: Yeah, I I'm wondering if the presence of the children is to introduce um a new member to the Guardians, like some younger actors or act in this case an actress, uh, Vila, yeah, I believe. Yeah, true. Um, we, we're seeing that in a lot of MCU projects lately. Some younger um actors or actresses who are being in, introduced. Um, we saw that in Thor, Love and Thunder with right. kids. Yeah. Um and so I'm wondering if that's kind of what they're trying to do. I, I do agree that it in service to this film on its own, it just overstuffed it. I didn't I didn't think this movie needed to be two and a half hours long. Um, at some point I was just like, oh my gosh, like what are we doing here? And and really, like, if we boil down the plot to its elements, like it's not a long or overcomplicated plot, but it takes two and a half hours to resolve itself. So it it did start to get a little old here. But uh yeah. At the end, you know, the high evolutionary dies. We have the the uh, Harvey Dent moment where his uh, skin is peeled off. Yeah, I like that.
0: Horrifying. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, the whole time you're like, dude, just what, is he, what does he look like under there? Show me.
1: Yeah, they made a point to even Peter Quill makes fun of how he, it looks like he has like a face wrap or something. His face is like wrinkle wrapped or something yeah, around yeah. his head. Um, Great makeup, by the way. That was that looked pretty good. I, I gotta say. Um, oh, well, it looked I very it. convincing. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought his face really looked like that. Okay, hear me out. Okay.
0: With all the controversy that's happening right now with Jonathan oh. Majors, could this guy, could this <laughs> Hiva Evolutionary be a Kang variant? I, I mean, you're you're laughing, you're laughing about it, but so I, I think you probably considered this as well. Uh, I don't know what are your thoughts on that.
1: We all thought we're all thinking this right now, <laughs> and for uh p c reasons, I won't say why we're all thinking that I bet,
0: but um, I mean his performance was so good, so I I'm know. Like, hey, you could easily carry this over and have him replace Jonathan Majors i
1: I think i re- I read someone tweet this. It's like, as of this moment, Kevin Feige is scrambling. To figure out a way to make it so that the high evolutionary is a Kang variant of some kind.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think that's where it got it from. I saw. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah, yeah.
1: They're all they're working around the clock now to to figure this out because uh, Jonathan Majors, what is you doing, buddy? Oh man, fumbling yeah. the bag.
0: I mean uh-huh. Loki. Okay, so Loki season two is coming out soon. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. True. Yeah, I, I guess we'll go from there. I Perhaps mean, he, he'll get
1: uncancelled like James Gunn did, you know?
0: Yeah, and maybe, maybe he's so good in the upcoming movies and shows like Ezra Miller is in The Flash, where <laughs> somehow everyone just uh,
1: for, yeah. for, for, forgets that he he did all these things. That's right. Hey, like The Flash is coming out, so Jonathan Majors, he can, he can, he can outlive this, right? <laughs> okay oh. hey uh, for all those listening i i'm not advocating for him to i'm just saying given the 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 rest of the uh movie industry and the climate it's possible but uh i think this version of the high evolutionary is very much gone <laughs> at least so there's that um at, and so as we see in the aftermath uh quill decides to leave the guardians um he also has a really heartfelt moment with uh the gamora variant so throughout this whole movie he's kind of flirting with her trying to like convince her that they have something um and it's it's very much like we can feel his anxiety in like not being willing to let go of gamora as a concept but by the end we realize that he's just ready to move on and they had such a great moment where it, She's like, uh, um, I bet we were fun, you know? And he's like, like, you wouldn't believe. And I feel like that was a moment of closure for him and for this variant of Gamora to kind of move on. Um, so he he decides after that to leave the Guardians to go home, see his family. Um, he gives Rocket the captaincy of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mantis leaves to um Gamora goes to the v- Ravagers Nebula and Drax remain to raise the children. Oh and that was another moment for Drax is like um you know he was never meant to be a destroyer but a dad. Like that was that was meaningful too. There there were a lot of great character moments with these guardians that we didn't really delve too deeply into in our discussion here, but like, those were really significant and special.
0: Yeah. I, um, I kind of wish we got a little bit more on Drax because he actually was my favorite character from Guardians (laughs) one. And, uh, you know, they made a big deal in this one. They just overtly just told them, you're, you're an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah over and yeah. over and over yeah 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 so um yeah i i feel like uh we could have gotten more because like his whole motivation in the first movie was like the death of his his wife and daughter and uh yeah that part at the end is good but i didn't feel like it was earned like uh, yeah. i think we needed a few more uh building blocks to get there sure yeah but i understand i i mean i did if I, if my mind i acknowledge that oh that's that's really sweet but then i kind of wish i felt it
1: yeah yeah same and and he falls victim to what i what i'm starting to call in my head the mcu drift um meaning a character kind of drifts away from what it what the character originally was when we first meet him or her or them um and we lean further and further into like a caricature or a parody of that original character to the point where, yeah, like Tony Stark becomes just quip master 500. He just like quips all the time, quip, 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 this, quip, that, quip, that, you know? um. And here, same thing. Drax is just basically like the village idiot, you know, like who is just dumb. But like, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when he wasn't just that, you know, there was so much more to his character than just, I just repeat things and I'm very literal, you know, like I feel like they latched onto that one joke where he's a very literal person and just like extrapolated it. And now the MCU drift has occurred and he's almost not nearly the same. Yeah. I agree. As he was.
0: That's a, that's a good uh, term terminology for the MCU.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Unfortunate. They did the best they could um, with the characters, but there were some that worked some moments that didn't. Any last things on on this act um, before we kind of close up in the mid credits and talk about that?
0: To be honest, I kind of wish some of the characters died because we knew mm. that this was the finale, and it gives us some stakes and so uh, more heartfelt, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it kind of gives tugs on the heartstrings a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But none of them died. And then they all just, the only thing is they go on their separate ways. So there's yeah. the possibility of them coming back together later on, maybe in uh, many years later, kind of like how they're going to probably bring back Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr.
1: No, please. No. You don't think so? <laughs> I, I don't want it because like, I, like you said, I, I want there to be stakes in our stories, you know, like I, I want that like emotional, pay off to mean something and when they get brought back when they get zombified and brought back somehow it just dis i don't know it just makes everything feel like what was the point of it all and and that really is has been the issue with MCU it's just felt like what's the point of it all and as our good friend Paul mentioned about Spider-Man No Way Home it's like like MJ's going to remember him eventually you know that sort of thing so I still stand um,
0: by the fact that she's not and they're going to I
1: they're okay. going
0: to do something different. They're going to bring in Gwen Stacy. Right, anyways, we're, we're Okay, we'll see. We'll we're, see.
1: We're, uh, we're 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 getting we're, off track here. Yeah. Yeah, we, that's for another episode, my friend. Um so in the mid credits scene, the the new Guardians, Rocket remains as the captain. Groot has fully grown back. Um Cosmo the dog is with them. Is a member of the Guardians now. a member. Adam is also part of the Guardians of the Galaxy now. Adam Warlock, and Phyla, one of the rescued children, and and a a pet also, is on this mission. So, this reminds me that
0: e- yeah, this reminds me of the ending of uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, where mm. you have a new team of of, uh, of the Avengers, and yeah. it looks very different than the first one. So. Yeah uh like okay so this is the new guardians team
1: Mm -hmm. yeah will there be volume four of guardians of the galaxy
0: probably and i i think they're gonna just explore with these current characters but you know what i've just kind of learned in the past few years since phase three ended uh, not to predict or try to expect anything (laughs) and the the wise words of Zendaya's uh, MJ you know if you expect disappointment uh, you won't be disappointed there we go and unfortunately that has been the
1: motto for the MCU the past Uh, couple years unfortunate Unfortunate. and then in the post credit scene we see Quill reuniting with his grandpa Jason who we did see in the second movie right
0: I didn't get it like they're just eating breakfast and that was it
1: yeah and they also teased that Star-Lord was going to return. That's right. So the... so my theory that he, his contract had expired was wrong. He's coming back. Yeah,
0: I don't know how, but okay. I mean, the, you know, when, when they teased that, I'm like, I was like, okay, sure. Like, you know, it, it didn't make me feel, oh my gosh, he's coming back? Like, they're going to do more? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's where we are now, I think, uh, as as fans of the MCU, we're
1: just kind of like nodding our heads along and just still waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe him him coming to Earth sets him up to be part of the, the next Avengers event, you know, because he's going to be around the, the other that's true main characters on Earth. So they had to get him out of space and back. So I I just I kind of want to
0: say this, I I guess we can wrap up with this sentiment, like neither of us were really big on this movie. And we've been kind of ragging on the MCU phase four and, you know, the past couple movies and shows that, you know, we're we're a little bit underwhelmed. But, uh, you know, the other day, one of my friends on Facebook posted his MCU ranking, his updated MCU ranking. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three was his, now his new number one. So oh, wow. He had, he had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, then he had Endgame, Civil War, Winter Soldier, Iron Man. Those other movies he listed, you know, numbers two to five, like those are all like top tier for me. Uh, but I was shocked that he had Guardians Three as as his number one. Wow. So, you know, even though it didn't resonate with us. You know, we kind of maybe wanted a little bit more. I think there are people, you know, and this is the thing with art, right? Like everyone's going to receive a piece of art differently. And to him, this is the best MCU movie ever. And so, you know, that's so I I because I, I, I just feel sometimes I feel like, you know, all these artists and creatives, they pour so much of their time, their energy, uh, their passion into these projects. And and it just takes one review or like one comment to just kind of slash it and, and undercut everything that they they attempted. You know, so um, yeah. I think with every review that we do, I think we should probably mention that the fact that, that you know, this is just our opinion, you know, like, yeah, and, and yeah. there are a lot of merits to this movie, even though, we say it's very mid, but you know there's so much more to that, and that's why, like, I think on this podcast we don't assign letter grades or numbers. Mm-hmm. We do on Letterbox, but you know that's just our own private thing. You know, but yeah, I think when in the public discourse, I think it's it's helpful when we talk about art and and creativity to to kind of explore and, and develop like our, our thoughts out. You know, like uh, through yeah. discussion. Yeah, well, I, really I, I just really want to say that thoughts. just because I feel like we did so much ragging on the MCU in this episode
1: yeah yeah and that's that's totally great to put into perspective Mike because um oftentimes I mean like you and I we we like to be creators too and we have works that we we write and and shoot and put together and and create and compose um so like creativity and art is is such a personal expression sometimes and the MCU is is that at its heart in that like it's it's a movie. It's every movie that gets made is is miraculous because it was put together by thousands of craftsmen and craftswomen and it's it's just uh every single one is an incredible work of art, of course, in that like people put so much time into it. And so when we evaluate and and do that, we're, we're kind of approaching it from like a fan perspective, but you're right. Like it would be remiss of us to not acknowledge that like, these are still very much like the result of hours and hours and hours of hard work. And so shout out to all the artisans out there. Yep. Amen. Yes. And amen. Well, uh, there you have it folks that this has been another episode of the week and foolish movie podcast where we celebrate artists and, but we also talk, <laughs> talk about how we feel about these works of um, these, uh, these movies. And so thank you for joining us. We're we appreciate every last listen and hope you stick around for the next one. See you later. Bye. We're not done yet. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. I'm sure you are! Blow that piece of junk out of the sky!